Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. Be sure to keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And also, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. You'll find us wherever you get yours at. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, just to name some of those platforms. And we're at that same username at Radio Islam USA. Also, remember, if you'd like to email us, do so. Producer at radioislam.com. That's our email address. Producer at radioislam.com. All right, folks. Um, I am happy to have joining us on the line the author of Our Muslim Neighbors Achieving the American Dream, an immigrant's memoir, Ghalib Victor Beg. He is a retired entrepreneur, an immigrant from India who became famous for his Michigan chain of stores called Naked Furniture which sold quality, unfinished furniture. He also became one of the country's leading Muslim spokesmen. He was a co-founder of the Muslim Unity Center Mosque in Bloomfield Hills and a founding member of the Interfaith Leadership Council of Metro Detroit. His columns and interviews appear in many media outlets, including ABC, CBS, Fox, NPR, the Los Angeles Times, and USA Today. He now lives with his wife, Shahina Beg, on Hutchinson Island in Florida. Welcome to Radio Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu and peace be upon you. Yes, thank you and so much. And shalom alaikum if uh, and a Jewish cousins are li- listening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we we have a diverse audience. So um, uh, let me first ask, Ghalib Victor Beg, where did the Victor come from? Ghalib. You know, I don't know how many of your listeners uh, can pronounce my name. Uh, can you pronounce Ghalib? Oh, absolutely. Uh, many of us here who are into jazz are familiar with Galib Galab, Ghalib, different uh, pronunciation. Okay, yeah, you yeah. Okay, you got it, but most people can't. So uh, when I started off, I, I, I used to be a salesman. So I spent all my time trying to sell my name. So I decided to translate it, which means Victor, Ghalib means victorious. Ah, okay. So you refer to your life story as a true blue American story. What do you believe in this story uh, that could not happen anywhere else in the world? Why do you believe that? Well, if you've lived around the world or if you visited anywhere, you know, um, you you could never uh, be able to do what you can do here. I came to this country in 1970. I got my education. I started my business. It's very hard to start business anywhere. It's easy to do it in America. And then uh, uh, we got married. We settled down. And uh, then I got involved with the community when my business was established. I thought I would give something back. And I was elected to my school board. I'm an immigrant who got elected. It was in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, which is supposedly a conservative Republican area. Although I had an endorsement from Teachers Association as well as the local Bloomfield Hills Republican Club. So all these things. And then when I had to respond to some of the Islamophobia as you call it, uh, uh, when Islam became um, 
a, a daily news item, and I had to respond. And then here, I'm free to speak, the freedom of speech. And I, I as a Muslim, I just finished writing an op-ed piece, uh, challenging, uh, uh, as a Republican, uh, the recent uh, uh, pronouncement of uh, go back home. Uh, why would I want to go back home? This is the the best country in the world. Uh, what you can do here, nowhere else. So, which is why I call myself uh, a true blue American. Some some people may think that blue means a Democrat. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean it that way. So, as a Republican, looking back to your beginnings in civic engagement, going back to your election to Bloomfield School Board, up to the present day. Has your view of the Republican Party been impacted by the social and political climate of today? Well, when I came here, I'm sure people remember, and I got involved back in uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, that was the Republican Party of uh, President Reagan, uh, followed by the Bush Sr. and uh, later on another Republican mm-hmm. president, uh, George Bush. Uh, yes, I mean, there have been uh, uh, the Middle Eastern wars and some of the things, I, the Iraq war, I, of course, I didn't understand. However, the Republican Party was welcoming us uh, as members of, of, of the party, uh, although there was a split in the community, and, and I can tell, you know, our African-American brothers and sisters uh, they they differed uh, from many of uh, uh, our immigrant mm-hmm. brothers and sisters uh, who were more involved with the Republican Party. Uh, now I think the trend is 74% of the Muslims, they support the Republican Party, uh, the Democratic right. Party, I'm sorry. So at that time, and then the reason the immigrant community uh, I believe, and why I was, because the Republican Party had conservative views, uh, pro-business. I, I had a business, and then I was successful in my business. Uh, less government. You know, I used to uh, operate a ready-to-finish, custom-finish furniture business, and I had a, a custom-finishing shop, uh, and some of the the constraints the government started to put on, uh, you know, as much, as much as now we are more environmentally conscious. The point I'm trying to make, the Republican Party is more business-friendly. Mm-hmm. So all those things kind of came together for me, uh, and then I was welcome. And I lived in a very conservative Republican area, so I made friends who, who invited me to the, uh, to the forums. That's how mm-hmm. I got involved. Now it's a different story, and, and it's no longer the party I was part of. The recent op-ed piece I wrote, and I asked, Mr. Trump, I want my party back. Uh, so, so this is where we, we are at now, and we need to have a voice. Although I'm a minority as a Republican among the Muslim community today, uh, but we can't abandon uh, a group of people or anyone. That's, that's not our religion mm-hmm. teaches us. 
not we should be doing it. So I continue to have a voice. I just met with my very conservative Republican congressman, mm-hmm. Mask, uh, Brian Mask, in Washington, D.C. I presented my book to him. Uh, although I know I can't change his mind on some of his Middle East views, however, he has co-signed uh, the, the bill uh, in support of oh, Uyghurs. Good. And then Rohingya. So you know we have we are a community with multiple issues, and and I know we are also working with him on international sex trafficking. Uh, so we're not a one-issue community, and and we need to to work with everyone. How difficult is it to be a, or is there difficulty being a Muslim Republican in the Trump era? I have a chapter in my book. Exactly, that's what it says. Muslim Republican in the Trump mm. era. So uh, I'm not trying to market my book. <laughs> That's but, fine. <laughs> uh, but but you know it's it, it's not easy. Let's put it that way. Uh, we have not been invited to the White House. I don't even know if I will accept an invitation if I'm invited, unless. Uh, uh, Donald Trump retracts some of the things he said about my faith and about me. I, when I say me, I'm talking about as Muslims and uh, the Muslim ban. Uh, I, is he going to listen to me when I go talk to him personally? Is, is he going to be receptive to change? And then I will. You know, because his presidency. Um, beginning with his campaign for the office, has been so much about demonizing Muslims, immigrants, uh, people of color. Your book, I guess it's allowing for people, uh, for those of other faiths, to get some insight into into Muslims. So what are some of the things that you want non-Muslim Americans to understand about their Muslim neighbors that I would imagine are going to be in contradiction to what they're hearing from uh, from our president. Well, uh, Tadis, you know, uh, the Pew study, uh, 60% of the Americans don't know a Muslim. When in, in the absence of knowledge and ignorance, anything can be promoted. And of course, uh, the nationalism is on rise uh, but Americans are smart people. Uh, they can see the difference. And let's see what happens in the next election. Uh, We've already seen it in the midterm. Uh, to answer your question, uh, in, in, in my family story, in, in all its vulnerabilities, offers a window into uh, the life and beliefs of ordinary Muslim American neighbors, so you really get to know them. Uh, I consider myself an accidental activist. Hmm. I, that wasn't the trajectory I had planned, but if you Google my name, you'll see I've been very active. I moved here to retire in, in, in Florida, but I'm unable to because of all the 
stuff that's coming right. at us. So I want to use my experience to continue to be active. So in my activism, uh, I relate the experiences of a, of a vulnerable community. Uh, as a, uh, a successful entrepreneur, I relate about uh, uh, succeeding in my business with much ups and downs. So this is my story is, is very much of that of a Muslim neighbor. So if you don't know your Muslim neighbor, one way you can do it is by reading my book. Again, you know, I'm not trying to sell my book. I just Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I mean, you've written this book that has relevance. Uh, I mean, I think at, at all times, particularly when, you know, you point to a Pew study where 60 percent of Americans don't know a Muslim. What better time to have a book that allows uh, a window, you know, into a part of the, the, the uh, that community that they don't know about? So, you know, uh, no apologies, please. Uh, Let me ask you. So you write movingly about the, oh, God, let it not be a Muslim prayer. Tell us a bit about that. Well, I'll just give you one example. Um, Well, I can give you lots of examples. You know, I got involved when there was uh, the Iranian Revolution had started. You know, I'll be 72 this year. And I got involved back in the 80s. Um, and I, I've heard nothing on the radio but about uh, later on when Imam Khomeini gave that fatwa. So, so that's how I got involved, because I said, that's not Islam. And then Oklahoma bombing happened. Well, the first people in the news media uh, who came out said that it has a mark of... Uh, Muslim Brotherhood, uh, they wanted to blame the Muslims. So we've been through this, and then when, when the other major events like 9-11, the first thing you think of is, God, let it not be a Muslim. Uh, we should be thinking of all the people who suffered in this tragedy. However, we know the Muslim community gets the brunt of and gets blamed. So along with our sympathies and and, 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 and our uh, sorrow for the tragedy, we also think of uh, I mean, how how we're going to face the, uh, the the news that a Muslim, so-called Muslim right. is involved. And I can tell you, when I moved to Treasure Coast, we got to know this family. It's a small community where I live in Fort mm-hmm. Pierce, a small mosque. The Afghan family, their son who killed those 49 people. Uh, when I heard the news that uh, it happened in Orlando, and we're only like a couple hours from there, first thing I said, God, let it not be right. Muslim. We eventually turned out to be different. And, and then I had to start defending the community. And since then, I have developed media relations here, and I have built an interfaith group, and I do the competency training with the police department so you can see you know how it affects us although if you look at the statistics very few muslims are really involved with any mass murders you probably have those statistics yes like 94 over 90 percent 
are actually of um, white males. Exactly. But we get 57%, I think 357% more uh, news coverage if it's the most happens to yeah. be Muslim. Yeah. Can I take you back to uh, 9-11? Because that was a, a turning point for the perception of Muslims in America. Um, and even though I often like to just to interject this, as we are approximately 1% of the population uh, and of the nearly 3,000 uh, Americans who lost their lives uh, on that day uh, in the towers, 1%, 1% of them were actually identified as Muslims. And to say it succinctly, we were, as a community, as this diverse community, not really allowed to to mourn with the country um, as fellow citizens, but instead were put on a defensive uh, and became the target of of suspicion and you know everything that followed after. What was that experience like for you? You know, you, you just said one percent uh, of the yeah. people who died. Our population, as, as some people say, we were one percent of the America's population. So we yes. equally suffered. And I tell you what, uh, the, when this thing happened, I have a dramatic chapter in my book mm-hmm. on 9-11. Uh, and I call it the first day of a new calendar. Mm. Uh, I was sitting in between the first lady of Michigan, Michelle Angler, and uh, the state school superintendent, Tom Watkins. Actually, he just written a piece about my book and, 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 and about this meeting itself. Uh, I, that was the last day of eight-year service that I performed with the Community Service Commission. Governor had appointed me. So here I'm getting an award that morning, and I'm celebrating it, and I'm thinking, you know, all the good work that has gone into I can promote in my community. And I come back and I sit on my chair, and, and Tom Watkins passes me a note to give it to the First Lady that it has been a terrorist attack. So I have minute by minute, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much time we got, but uh, the first thing again, God let it not right. be a Muslim. Right. And no one knew for a while who did it. And finally the news came. But, you know, even after 9-11, I think uh, the country came together. George Bush went to the mosque. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, when I got back to our, our mosque that, you know, I co-founded in, in, in Michigan, Muslim Unity Center, we were remodeled. There were parts of it were, were being demolished. And I got a call from the police chief while I was driving back. That meeting I had was in Kalamazoo. It's about like three hours from, or two and a half hours from mm-hmm. where we live. So I was driving back on 94, and I got a call from the police department and the chief says, we got two police cars pr- protecting your mosque. I said, chief, you know, it's already, you know, a process of demolition, so don't waste your resources, <laughs> although there was a police car station right. there throughout. But the point I'm trying to make is, uh, you know, we're, and I said that before, in this country, we are protected. Mm-hmm. Even the president, it's, this is different today with all the the rhetoric, political rhetoric. But at that time, although we faced that tragedy, 
we came out a lot of a lot of us came came out and became more active yeah uh so you know uh so that it was an experience that catapulted us particularly myself uh, and uh, it, it's going on unfortunately it's come back uh, even worse today with the political rhetoric and what's going on uh, the way the things right, are right now one thing i always like to point to as muslims i like to believe that we have a a common sense wherever we are we have a common sense um just a sense of optimism right even even when we're going through difficulty you know we're supposed to approach those things with you know with sabr with with uh, patience with consistency you exude a sense of faith in your fellow human beings are you optimistic about the future for muslims and for for everyone for america in general i mean you have to be an optimist it's my faith it's a uh, it's belief in in god god is goodness he likes to he's merciful he he likes to see good in the world and american people are generally mm-hmm. good people uh when they get to their muslim neighbor it, it it's very i see i live and when i was in michigan i lived in a uh on one acre land, uh, in a home where I had few neighbors, although I was in, involved in the community, I was on the school board, and my mosque, uh, through my mosque, I was involved, but I didn't have many neighbors. When I moved, we moved to Florida, we moved to a condo building with 90 neighbors. Initially, we were apprehensive. My wife wears mm-hmm. a hijab. Uh, and then most of these are conservative and and and... and Majority of them are Trump supporters, so we wondered how we're going to. We love the where we mm-hmm. live now, the beaches across from our condo, and and I have access to the lagoon and the intercoastal with my little canoe. I want to live there. However, how are we going to live with ninety neighbors? <laughs> right. Before? You know what? We that they meet on Thursday. They call it Thirsty Thursday, and we bring a dish and share. All our apprehension was gone. Wow. And, and in my book, I have thanked my neighbors first. And people ask you, why did you write your book? One of the reasons, there are, there are several reasons I wrote the book. One of them, so that for my neighbors, and I thank, thank them. So which is that's why I'm optimistic, because, you know, we got to know each other. One person mm-hmm. by person. Uh and I, I, I like to see all of us do that. Get to know your yes. neighbor. Just imagine, you know, in our, in our faith, a neighbor is not just one next door. It's 40 homes next to you on each side, 40 behind you, 40 right. in front of you. Uh, if you get to know all those neighbors, the community, and then you apply that same principle to get to know your neighborhood city, your neighborhood state. You know, we are... We're going to find that, you know, we can get along fine. And it's unfortunate this division is being promoted in this country for political gain and fear-mongering. I hope it comes mm. to an end. Well, Brother Gallup, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Radio Islam family, you can get the book, Our Muslim Neighbors, 
Achieving the American Dream and Immigrants Memoir. You can go to Amazon. Uh, it's available in all formats. Um, do you have any uh, a parting statement, Justin, anything that you want to leave? Well, my w- website is as simple mm-hmm. as Victor Beg, V-I-C-T-O-R-B-E-G-G, one word, dot com. Or the title of the book, Our Muslim Neighbors, it's in plural, ourmuslimneighbors.com. Uh, look at the reviews, and I have testimonials. I have uh, uh, videos. I just did a podcast with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. It's a one-hour interview there. And I'm going to put your in, this interview on there. So I have lots of information on my website. And my goal is to, is to uh, my editor, one of the criterion he had was, is your book going to do any good? And it's not a money-making operation for me. It's a nonprofit thing. However, if you read the reviews, uh, yes. you like it. Well, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, one quickly thing. One yeah. quick thing I want to say: it's so important to share our stories. That's okay. what I do. If we don't tell our story, someone else will tell our story. That's another reason I wrote my book. Another reason I wrote my book because my my grandchild is exactly seventy-one years younger than me. When he grows up, I want him to learn from his his grandfather. And then I have a 50-year history of activism in, in this country. When I came here, there was no care. There was no hardly any Islam activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two mosques in Detroit. Now there are 60. So, so I have, uh, in my stories, I have building a mosque and, and then so many things that our own community, the Muslim community, can reflect mm-hmm. back. Uh, also, interfaith work that I've done, uh, raising my kids. Uh, yes. Thank you very much, the Well, we we appreciate you, and we appreciate the work that you have done uh, on behalf of the Muslim community, your leadership, your activism, uh, and we pray that Allah continues to keep you well. And as you said, you can't retire, right? <laughs> You've got to keep going. <laughs> no, I like to. Well, <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> You know, we pray that Allah allows things to get to a point where um, we can step back a little bit. But right now, you're you're right. Thank you. Keep me in your prayers, and I pray for this country and and all of your listeners so that we live in peace. Amen. Amen. All right, Radio Sound family, we thank you all for listening. Uh, remember, find us on social media at Radio Islam USA, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us wherever you get your podcasts at Radio Islam USA. I am your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdulmalik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and now to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.